Welcome everyone to the Russell Show. I'm your host Russell Chowdhury and can't wait to jump into this podcast episode. Episode number 192, we have a special guest, Jodie Gibson. In this episode, we'll discuss with Jodie the topic of her story, how she's being a teen mom and less educated, but building an amazing business from nothing. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on our podcast and let's dive in. Hi Jody, thank you so much for joining me in this podcast episode. Really appreciate it. How are you today? I'm amazing. How are you? I'm great. I'm uh, super excited to have a conversation with you and learn more about yourself, your journey, how you built your business and the coaching business. And you had like a difficult upbringing, like being a teen mom is not easy to raise a child and then starting a business and moving forward. So I'd love to know more about your early stage of your life, like how do you become an entrepreneur is all you always wanted to do or like uh, or like you had like other kind of goals or like achievement you wanted to accomplish yeah absolutely great question and so just to share i feel like if the first question is did i always want to be an entrepreneur i think it's a yes and a no so i'm saying yes because i think my younger self always wanted to be my own boss i'm just not sure i knew how to do it mm-hmm. or knew how to create consistent income and so that journey for me often looked like working full time and then having a side hustle, but always trying to figure out how to make more money with the side hustle, which was crazy, right? Because I think yeah. you think you're making all this money, but really it's your real job and your side hustle added together. And so I would quit jobs thinking I could carry myself on the side hustle and I really couldn't, but then I just got better and better and better at it. And I've always been this multi-passionate, multi-talented person. So regardless of what my side hustle was, it probably took me uh, 10 years before I could leave a formal nine to five job and just be an entrepreneur. And I've been doing that for well over 20 years now. Oh, wow. That's great. And did you start the journey of being an entrepreneur, like where you had your first child or like after later on? No, it was definitely after I had her. Um, When I had my oldest daughter, I still lived at home. I was very young. I remember getting a job, but the other part of that is uh, my first, I feel like my first career was cosmetology, right? Which I think that's a first career for a lot of people, but that was another thing that you can easily do at night, at home, on the weekends or wherever and make extra money. So that was one of my first side hustles. But then when I realized, wait, I could get a real job and then do this at night, I can make more money. Mm. that only lasts so long because you get you get used to being your own boss and you just want more of that you don't want to go sit behind a desk or work for somebody else where you're making minimal money knowing that you can make three or four times that much whether you're making eight dollars an hour or twenty dollars an hour if you can make four times that so if you can make 30 bucks an hour instead of eight or you can make a hundred dollars an hour instead of 20 yeah it's different and when you get a taste of that and the flavor and i think the other thing that comes with that is the freedom Right. And even though I think a lot of times people are like, I want to make my own schedule. And I'm like, yeah, but when you're your own boss, you're never off. You're, you're really never off work because you're constantly like, did I do this? Did I do this? And so I think you work more when you become your own boss and you learn more about areas maybe you're not passionate about or you don't want to be great at. Right. You have to learn how to manage your finances. You have to create yeah. a budget. You have to create a P&L, right? The profit and loss. You have to create all those things. You have to market. You have to do lead generation. Like those might not be the things that you're great at, but when you Mm. own your own business, you have to get at least good enough at them so that you don't have to hire them out. For sure. 
Yeah, definitely. And like, what was your first business like? Like, what business you started like 20 years back, like when you started now? Is definitely, is it like a coaching business or is something else? No, for sure. I think the first business I started was doing hair and nails, which is a little crazy. And then I shifted from that into real estate. And it wasn't that quick of a shift, but I started, a friend of mine owned a bunch of real estate in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And I started buying houses with him, just small, tiny houses. Yeah for really minimal money. I know this sounds crazy, but back in the day, um, the city of Detroit would auction off the houses that had the biggest or the longest. I think it, it's like three or four years before, if three or four years of unpaid taxes before they would go to auction and they would sell the houses for $500. And so I said to my friend, how much money do I need? And he was like, you need $500. And so somehow I have no, I look back now, I have no idea how I did it. But somehow I scrambled together $2,500, which was probably like my mortgage payment and grocery money and all kinds of stuff, right? Because yeah. I was I was that kind of living on the edge kind of person. And I went to the auction and I bought five houses, which sounds really crazy to buy five houses for $2,500. But I did that. And so I think I oftentimes put, I oftentimes do business sense out of order, right? So what I didn't realize was, who was going to go to the door and ask these people for rent or who was going to go to the door and say, Hey, I just bought your house. It's time to either, you know, move out or pay rent because these people had been living there. And for a lot of them, they were either squatting or they were previous tenants or it was their house. And so that was a really challenging thing. I didn't think through. And so it was good though. I feel like a couple of them, I, a couple of them started paying rent over time, I started fixing the houses up. I went to the auction the next year and bought a couple more and a couple more and a couple more. And then I get got in like way over my head and bought way too many one year, never realizing I can't manage that many. But it was just kind of that thing. But then being in real estate like that made me want to be deeper in, I don't want to say real real estate, but I went and got my real estate license and I started yeah. selling real estate for bigger numbers. And it was way safer than door knocking in Detroit for rent. But it's like one thing leads to the next, right? And I think about that real estate career as a licensed agent and then later on a broker, that led to bigger things. So I ended up getting my broker's license in Michigan. I actually have my real estate license, salesperson license in California. I lived there for a short time and that was really powerful. And I always say like real estate was my vehicle into coaching because I started selling real estate much like I was hustling it in Detroit, I started selling real estate at a really fast pace. And I had all kinds of people around me saying, will you teach me what you're doing? Will you tell me like my first year out with a license, I sold 27 houses, which is like unheard of. Right. And so people were like, tell me what you're doing. Will you coach (laughs) me? And so that was kind of my informal introduction into coaching which then led to me teaching classes and coaching people in other market centers and eventually coaching for uh, Keller Williams International, which was great, but not. And then I just decided, wait, I know what I'm doing. Why am I doing it in in all of these little silos? Mm. That's just a big scale. And so that's what led me to opening my own coaching practice. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. you are doing like a multiple different kind of businesses over the years. And then 
eventually you've seen the success on a real estate business and other people are approaching you for like coaching and guidance and you thought why do I like do the full time right like uh, if I can help other people doing the same thing and then I'm doing enjoying and everything a lot of people don't know like how to get into that kind of profession and you find your own so how long you've been coaching after like a living your real estate uh, journey and doing the full-time your coaching business right now for sure so I've I started my coaching business in, I think it was in January of 2018. Okay. So I'm almost five solid years in. Yeah. Um, I'm no longer selling real estate. I'm only coaching. And now I'm coaching and speaking and teaching and training and doing all these other parts of coaching that I don't want to say I didn't see coming. I think I've always been a natural teacher. Mm. So it's one thing to coach people, but the more I educated myself, between my experiential education and my formal education, the more I learned, the more I realized there were a lot of gaps in education that people weren't aware of. Yeah. And so I started speaking to, yeah, I started speaking to and started teaching in those spaces. And, and that's where I learned, wait, I could be speaking and teaching and training and doing all these things. And I just recently wrote a book. And the book was kind of that, like divulging all these details that people aren't talking about really, truly in this healing journey. And I and I say the healing journey because I don't know if there's any other way to surmise it, but I think it's rare that anybody is born and raised into a high functioning with emotionally regulated adults that comes out this stellar human, right? I think we're all raised by we're all raised by adults that were doing the best that they could when we yeah. were kids. Right. And so, especially I think too, the more kids, the more chaotic it was. But I think from that, like learning, like that's not your permanent space, like how you were raised or who raised you or what beliefs they gave you or what morals or all those things, like whether you received them or you didn't, mm. it's not a permanent space. And so if there's a part of your adult life that you're still seeking something, it's attainable. Yeah. And that's kind of where my journey led me. And so that was what I wanted to share. And I think that's what that's what created this teacher, trainer, speaker side of me versus just the coaching. Because the coaching is one-on-one or it's sometimes I'll do it in a group setting, but people want more. And they're like, yeah, that sounds great. Teach me how to do it. Yeah. That's great. So I know like you have a 20 years of experience or two decades of experience in like you're running the businesses and doing your own thing. So what advice you would be giving to yourself like when you started out like 20 years back, like uh, the mistakes you've made, what would be the number one mistake you have made when you're starting out compared to right now as your coach, your consultant right now yourself, what would be the number one lesson you learned or you're going to be advising yourself 20 years back? Yeah, that's a great question. So the number one piece of advice I would have given myself back then was get messy. Mm. And I share that in saying, I think I would have these ideas and I would plan the whole thing out. And not that I knew what a business plan was then or even knew how to create one. Yeah, It was like making business cards or trying to put together some kind of um, media presence. So whether that's a website or social media or all these different channels and venues that we run through. And I would really try and create the whole thing before I had enough clients to support that space. And so part of me is like, use what you have and start where you are. And one of the things I think that's very often 
um, missed in the world of being an entrepreneur is how many contacts you actually have. Because people will say, well, I don't have anybody to tell. Yeah. And I'll share that this is a fun secret. It usually blows people's mind. But if you have an iPhone and you open your phone right now and you go to your contacts and you scroll down on the, I want to say it's on the right side of your phone, there's the alphabet. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, it will tell you how many contacts you have in your phone. And most people go, yeah, there's probably like 25, 50 contacts in there. I don't know. And they open their phone and they're like, there's 1500 people in here. Yeah. Or they're like, there's this, right? So I feel like I could look at my phone right now. The last time I looked at it, it was an insane amount. But just knowing like there's that many people you already have built in that you could be talking to that you don't even realize. Yeah, right now I have 7,517 contacts. Wow. That's a lot of people, Yeah, right? And so it's just the people that you already know could be a part part of your business, your business, or could be a client. And it's not even about them being a client. It's about who do they know that might be a client. Mm. And my job, I always say my job as a business owner is simply to tell people what I do. It's not to try to fix them. It's not to try to bring them on as a client. It's not, it's literally to talk about what I do. Yeah. And I can share with you, like, whether it's real estate or coaching, right? I think in real estate, people would, would do this weird thing where they wanted to like call everybody and say, Hey, do you want to buy or sell a house? Hey, do you want to buy or sell a house? Hey. And it was like really aggressive. And mm. most people would get hung up on, and I did it for a long time and I was really good at it. But what I learned was just simply talking about real estate opens people up to what you do. And so whether you call them and say, Hey, I have a new listing down the street from you. You know, who do you know that you want to be your neighbor? Or I would call people and say, hey, who's that one neighbor you really wish would move? And I would say the craziest thing on the phone just to get people engaged and be like, wow, if I wanted to sell a house, I want to work with Jody." Or even in coaching, I talk about the outcomes that people experience. Mm. I talk about the places that people started and the results that they want or the where like their successes of where they've landed now versus saying, hey, do you want to coach with me? And I think that's the weird part of be owning a business is people think they have to pitch constantly, but it's like your pitch can be in so many different messages, right? Yeah. So just embedding into people's brain what you do. I think that's that's the number one job of a business owner. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree on that. So it evolves on the time goes on and as a rookie, like obviously they don't know like how to approach things like with your experiences, if you guide them like the mistakes you have made, then it made it so much easier for them. Like just follow the steps like you've been through in the same aspect of it. So the next question will be uh, in regards to like a mindset, like you've been in a business for a long term and there is ups, there is a downs. You've probably seen a recession while you're in a real estate business, 2008, 2009, like a market crashes, uh, probably real estate. If you was doing real estate that time, the sales and everything gone dropped down. Even though during the COVID time, you started your coaching business 2018 then right after that there is a covid lockdown and everything there is a lot yeah. of up and down so as an entrepreneur as a business owner like yourself how do you combat them ups and downs how do you stay motivated and keep moving forward and yeah just keeping yourself like uh, uh, on the right track yeah absolutely great question and i think even circling into that that covid space right as a coach a lot of coaches were freaking out thinking everyone's losing money and they're going to cut their coaching 
um, line, right? They're going to cut yeah. that line item or they're going to take that budget out. And so my response to that was figure out what they need and mm. then fulfill that need. And so in any market, in any kind of, whether it's up or it's down or we're in or we're out, everybody has a need. And when you can figure out how to fill that need from your position, you are now the coveted key holder, yeah. right? Like you are now the person, you're top of the line on their budget. They're not going to get rid of you because you're the one that's bringing the solution. And so I think in a lot of those COVID spaces, we shifted from whether we were coaching before about productivity or culture or um, expansion or any of those things, when it came to, to COVID, all of a sudden we pivoted. And so I was bringing the conversation to them about what is this going to look like when your employees ask for this? Mm. Or what is it going to look like as a company when you have to lay off 25 people or 2,500 people, right? And so being part of that conversation and initiating that conversa conversation shows them not only are you available and a, a valuable player on this team, you're a necessary voice on this team. Yeah. Because if I preemptively bring you something before you're even aware that that's going to be needed or on a radar, I'm now a key player. And so I think it's predictively knowing what they're going to need next and having it ready and having the resources ready. And I think that was what I was talking about, about when you own your own business, your job is never done because what they need might be something that's outside of your wheelhouse, but you could go learn or you could go find resources that you can build with that I'm sharing, like you could go find the resource that they need and be the one that brings it to them, even if you can't deliver on it. Mm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So running their own businesses and having their like, the dream, the passion they found out and they need to start to make a move to like build it or launch their products or services. What would be your advice to launching a lot of people like a skeptical and like a fearful, like a starting a business, like there is so many things around it. Do I have the cash? Can I do it? Do I have the time? Or like why if the things doesn't pan out like how I want to, if someone's going to buy a product or services, how does someone can like overcome that kind of fear and then build and start their new businesses? Probably is a new year. There's a goal 2023. They want to quit their job or start a new business. What would be your advice? I, I have two pieces of advice that I think are really powerful and people are not going to like either one of them. <laughs> the first piece is figure out who your competition is and go make friends with them. Truly really? like figure out who else is doing what you do. And the person that's succeeding at the highest level and go, Ask them if they'll mentor you. And although it sounds crazy, most of those people in most people in that position would say yes. And so figure out, and even if you can't get that close to them or you can't be mentored by them or they're busy or whatever, start studying what they do. Study what they don't do. Study where you find them. Study what they market. Study yeah. their, their business, right? Study who their clients are. Study their social media. Study all of those things because the more you know about them and their plan, whether they're doing it right or wrong, and I'm, I'm air quoting right or wrong because I don't really think there's a distinct thing, right? I think it's not right or wrong. It's just different. So yeah, whether you choose to do it like them or you choose to do it differently is up to you. But the more you know about how they operate their business and what got them to where they are, the more success you'll find in yourself. The second piece is be willing to work for free. And I share that in saying, Offering your services up to people who either have a big voice and can, like, if you can do that job for free and do it for a testimonial, 
and you now have a testimonial from a company you wouldn't have otherwise had, that's way more powerful when you can put those words on your social media or on your website or wherever it is, than you just sitting back waiting for your first customer. Mm. So being willing to work for free is, I think most great businesses start off as a word of mouth. And so when you show up and you, you cherry pick 10 people that need your service, offer it to them, say only seven of them bite and only five of them actually show up, right? Of those five people, after you've completed your service, be vulnerable with them and say, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? What, what do you wish I had done better? What was the best thing about this? And can I earn your testimonial? Yeah. And once you get all that, then say to them, who do you know that, who else do you know that I should work for? Who's a good fit for me? How many people do you have that you'd be willing to refer me to? Right. And be willing to be that transparent, be willing to be that vulnerable in, in that space of like, once I know my competition and I know my product and I'm, I know how it lands with people, I'm a, a total, like now I'm a force to be reckoned with as a newbie yeah. versus a regular newbie. That's just like, Oh, I want to create this business and I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> right. <laughs> or the other newbie is like, no, I know what my competition's doing. I know everything about, like, I've studied them to the nth degree and I've tried this on a handful of people and I've gotten feedback and I've adjusted and, mm. and shifted from what their feedback says. And I got a really cool testimonial. So that newbie that goes out versus this, this other person, they're two different human beings. It's true. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much for your advice. And yeah, Jody, we're going to end up this podcast. So it's been a great pleasure having you. And so those who's yeah. listening, if anyone wants to learn more about you, your work, your business, where is the best place to find you? I think the best place to find me is either on social media and all of my handles are at Jody Gibson and Jody is J O D E E. Um, I also have jodygibson.com. So you can find me on my website, social media or anywhere. Absolutely. Thank you, friend. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today. I wish you best of luck with your business, your personal life, and also you have a wonderful Christmas and a new year ahead. And thanks for coming today. Thank you so much, friend. Yeah, that's a wrap, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it, got some value from it. So if anyone want to learn more about Jody, go visit her website or reach out to her on social media platforms. Until then, I'll talk to you in the next episode. Take care.